Support comes from WFAE members and Mazda of South Charlotte, incorporating Mazda's customer-centric vehicle design by making the customer the center of business to create a better car buying experience. More at MazdaofSouthCharlotte.com. This is Charlotte Talks. I'm Mike Collins. Both the city of Charlotte and Mecklenburg County governments have been busy formulating a budget for the coming year and making decisions on key issues. We spoke recently with Mayor Vi Lyles about that, Charlotte Mayor Vi Lyles, and today we focus in on the Mecklenburg County Commission. They are working on their budget and ironing out their priorities, among which are expanding services for early childhood development, improved access to health care, reducing housing insecurity, and beefing up workforce development. They'll also be making decisions surrounding the property revaluation process that is about to be completed, decisions that may or may not impact your county property tax bill. And that just scratches the surface. So let's dig a little deeper, shall we? We're joined by the chair of the Mecklenburg County Commission, serving out his eighth term in office and representing District 3, George Dunlap. Welcome back to the program. Good to see you. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Pat Cotham is an at-large member of the commission. She is serving her sixth term on the board. I don't know how you folks do it, but six times is a charm, I guess. Thank you for being here, Pat. Thank you for the kind invitation. And Mark Jarrell is with us. He represents District 4, which is made up of the eastern part of the county. This will mark his third term on commission. I don't know where you have time for that because of all the other things that you're involved in, but thank you for being with us this morning. Thanks for having me, Mike. Appreciate it. George, let me start with you. The commission is just a few months into its term, and we're just a few months into 2023, but you've been working diligently on the 2024 budget uh, because it starts on July 1st. Do these budgets vary wildly from year to year, or is it mostly just little tweaks here and there? Well, you know, of course, all that depends on who's on the uh, county commission, uh, this year, we were fortunate in that eight of the members were returning. And so uh, with only having one new person, uh, it didn't change as much as it could have. But there were some changes that I think are substantial. Uh, but all in all, I think uh, doing our budget retreat, uh, we came to um, an easy conclusion as to what those priorities ought to be. So I, I don't see a whole lot changing. Um, but then of course this is reval year, so you never know. Yeah. So when you, when, when you set out to set these, uh, uh, priorities, do those priorities come organically from members of commission or do they come from Dina DiOrio and the county staff? Well, actually they come from the community. Uh, yeah. we do community surveys to get the pulse of the community and what they consider to be a priority. And, you know, interestingly, um, when the board sets its priority, it pretty much aligns to what the community is saying uh, they believe the needs are. And Pat, how do you find out what the community wants? Well, how, how do they tell you? Well, um, the county does do surveys, and those are very valuable. But I would say um, it's interaction with people. It's I'm very... In, very much involved on the street. Uh, I'm not too much in the government center. And uh, just talking to a lot of people, talking to leaders, talking to people in all walks of life, you find out what needs are. You find out about problems and you find out about struggles. 
And um, those are, that's how I do my takeaway on what I hear in the community. Also, you know, we get emails and messages on Facebook and Twitter and other things. So it's a combination of things. Uh, because Charlotte comprises such a large portion of Mecklenburg County, it, it tends to get the spotlight a lot, and we tend to talk about things that Charlotte is involved in a lot. And for a lot of newcomers, it may be really confusing about what Charlotte does versus what the Mecklenburg County government does. So give us a little primer, Pat Cotham. What is it that the county really is uh, involved in? What are your responsibilities? Um, well, Human services is probably the best um, uh, umbrella that we're under, whereas the city is more involved with the hard surfaces. We're, we do the soft things. Uh, so we fund the schools, Central Piedmont. We're involved with veterans, homelessness, Department of Social Services. Um, we do um, uh, the nurses and mental health in the schools. Uh, we do a lot of things for people, park and rec, which for families is a great way to enjoy life, the, the health department. Some, those are some of the services. We have many, but those are some of the, the more well-known services. So Pat Cotham is one of the at-large members of the County Commission. Mark, you're a District 4 representative. George is from District 3. Uh, and obviously you come to council or to commission rather with, uh, with uh, your district in mind every time you meet, but then you have to balance those out with the needs of the county overall. So how does a district representative do that? Because each yeah, district is so question. different from the other. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. You know, first and foremost, you have to remember that, you know, while we do represent districts, our votes actually impact the entire county. Yeah. And with that in mind, I think there are certain district specific needs that take place. When you think about the east side, you think about uh, lack of uh, resource over time, uh, lack of attention in, in respects to uh, so many areas. When, when you, One thing that uh, uh, is a big priority for us is uh, the environment. And so there are certain things as it relates to park and rec where we've had uh, inequity, particularly in the Crescent. So we, we really just try to, to balance that out. As a district rep, I'll tell you what I do is I take uh, uh, needs first over once. And, and that's the way that I try to prioritize as I move forward. Your District 4 and Georgia's District 3 have specific needs that are perhaps different than other parts of the county, the more affluent parts of the county. And your district, I believe, has a lot of Hispanic residents and Asian residents uh, who are uh, minorities uh, in this ever-growing minority-majority uh, area of, of North Carolina. How does that come into play when you're sitting on commission and trying to make decisions? Well, I have 20% uh, Latino population, 6% Asian. Um, and so it, in, when you think about the African-American population as well, uh, bumping up to 30%, it certainly plays a major factor in my lens. Um, I have an international corridor. There are specific needs. Uh, I have to really help uh, staff understand how we uh, interact with those communities, how we gain trust. There is a different mechanism as it relates to uh, providing information, gathering information, and, and really providing the services that uh, those communities need. They have leaders that are trusted, 
and we are still in a, in a space where we're gaining trust. Uh, COVID gave us an opportunity to really uh, dig in and learn more about those communities and, and understand what is to them and how we communicate. I think that's one of the, the largest lessons that we probably have learned. George, the annual State of the County report is coming up. I hope it's quieter than the State of the Union was. Uh, last year, you, uh, you emphasized that the state of Mecklenburg County was strong, and that statement came following a very challenging year, as Mark just mentioned. COVID was rampant the year before nationally. This past year saw the worst inflation in a generation, gyrating fuel prices, the dropping stock market, which uh, is causing some people's retirement incomes to have been reduced. Uh, we have seen rising interest rates, uh, which began to impact our white-hot housing market. At the same time, employment in this area and around the country was at all-time highs. So how did Mecklenburg County fare, and how are you planning to describe the state of the county this year? <clears throat> Well, the state of the county still is strong. Um, you know, I think people tend to forget that uh, the federal government put a lot of money in Mecklenburg County. When you think about the millions of dollars that went to the city, that went to the school board, that went to the county, the CARES Act funding and the opera dollars helped Mecklenburg County continue to maintain its momentum um, throughout the last uh, two years. And so we were very fortunate um, from a financial standpoint. In fact, uh, probably better off financially this year than we were last year. Yeah, the, the legislature or people in the legislature sometimes refer to us as the great state of Mecklenburg. Uh, that's not meant to be a compliment for those who are newcomers. Uh, and uh, Pat and Mark, I'm just curious uh, to hear from you about this, because I think I'm correct in saying that both of you sit on the uh, commission's intergovernmental relations committee. Is that correct? Both of um, you? Uh, Mark is the leader of that and does a great job as the leader. Um, okay. I, would, I am not on it this year. Okay. I, I asked to be withdrawn because of my daughter in the legislature. Okay, you guys got to update your website. I just want to say that. So, Mark, I'll, I'll, I'll direct this. I'll Put direct that in the budget, this. George. Okay. <laughs> I will Not direct this question. I'll direct this question to you, Mark. Thanks, since you're the chair of that committee. How would you describe the state of the relationship uh, between Mecklenburg County and the towns in Mecklenburg, Mecklenburg County and the surrounding counties, and most importantly, Mecklenburg County and the legislature? Mark, I'll give it to you. I hope Mark hasn't frozen. I think Mark may have frozen. Mark All right, George. Have, uh, yeah, I, I'll step in. I, I would say that uh, the relationship between Mecklenburg County commissioners and other elected officials in uh, not only just the county, but in state is probably better than it's ever been. Uh, Mark does a tremendous job in bringing all of these um, stakeholders together, working with the school board, the city, uh, and our legislators. Um, so that's made a big difference um, in terms of how we do business in the county. Mark's back. Now, let me let him yeah. go ahead and I'll follow up after that. You, do you agree with that, uh, Mark? He just said that uh, because of you, essentially, uh, the relationships between all these other governmental organizations and Mecklenburg County is the best it's ever been. 
Well, I, I think um, it's a result of this board. Uh, the nine of us are laser focused on delivering for the residents of Mecklenburg County. No question about it, regardless of our individual passions, regardless of, of how we look at it. And we really realize that you can only do that uh, by fostering relationships, looking for common ground, looking for ways to solve problems. At the end of the day, one thing that's unique about this board, we really want to solve problems. We understand the uniqueness that we hold here in Mecklenburg County. I mean, we are, it is different than being in Bertie County, but that doesn't exclude us from, uh, uh, you know, we don't want to benefit um, in, in, in really, uh, uh, and have others picking winners and losers. That, that's not the goal. The goal is to provide what Mecklenburg County residents need in a way that can be encompassed in a, in a more broader comprehensive strategy. So we're always looking to foster relationships at all levels of government, particularly in the General Assembly. But I, I do feel like the relationship is strong. There's some areas of disagreement or areas where we have to work harder to uh, find some some compromise. But overall, I believe it is strong. Pat, I have a minute well, left, but I think you wanted to chime in here. Go ahead. Uh, well, I just wanted to talk about the six towns. I have represented the six towns um, for 10 years, and uh, I feel that I, I certainly spend a lot of time in the towns, and I feel that they feel good at, about the county, and we are a good partner to them. We're going to talk yeah, about – go ahead. Well, I wanted to add that one of the commitments that I made when I became chair was to establish a relationship with all the mayors and town managers. And I think we've done a good job with that. Uh, in fact, I'm going uh, to, to one of the northern towns today, but uh, and I visit Pineville quite often. And so, uh, you know, we're kind of like on a first name basis and the mayor of Huntersville calls me and uh, I just think the relationship is just so much better working with the towns. Good to hear. When we come back, we're going to talk about what, what's on everybody's mind with regard to money, and that is property taxes. We'll come back and talk about that and look at some of the priorities in this year's budget as well when Charlotte Talks continues on WFAE. Support comes from WFAE members and Mazda of South Charlotte, focused on applying Mazda's customer-centric approach for vehicle design to car buying and servicing in order to create an experience centered around the customer. More at Mazda of South Charlotte. It's Charlotte Talks on listener-funded 90.7 WFAE and WFAE.org. I'm Mike Collins. We're talking to three members of the County Commission. Commission Chair George Dunlop is with us, Pat Cotham at large, and Mark Jarrell from District 4. We're going we're gonna to talk about budget priorities in a moment, but let's begin with something that is on everybody's mind because this is a property revaluation year, and the result is a possible change in our property tax. The county is going through this revaluation process. It's something that's mandated to take place by law. The law says you should do it every eight years at a minimum. We do it every four. That's a, an effort to lessen the sticker shock, if uh, sticker shock is what comes out of this sometimes. We know, George, uh, from watching real estate, uh, the real estate market, that property values in this area have skyrocketed. They have increased market markedly. Can we assume that the revaluation will reflect that. Yes, we can. I think that's a fair assumption, but it does not necessarily mean that there will be a tax increase. 
Is he being optimistic, Pat? In the past, when property values increased, the decision was made uh, to refigure uh, the tax rate to make it more revenue neutral. Uh, When was the last time property taxes were increased by the county? And do you anticipate George's comment uh, being true, that they may not go up? I'm trying to remember. I think, uh, George, was it 2014 that we increased? I think it was 2014. Two two, two cents on revenue neutral. um, Yes, and I remember I don't believe I voted for that budget. Um, But, um, you know, it's kind of tricky because the values go up. So if the the rate stays the same, there still could be, will be an increase. Um, But... I I am not for um, an increase, and I mean I'd probably be happy if we decreased it some, um, but I'm not for that. But you know it's also very early. We have to listen to our manager and and get all the information. So this is just spec. We're just speculating here. And, and Mark, go ahead, Mark. So oh, go ahead. I think George, one of the things that's important to point out to the community is that you know we've got to take a look at what the needs are for the community. Right. And once we understand what the needs are, then we can figure out where we need to be to deliver those services to those that need it. I mean, I think about um, when we talk about reval, it's hard to separate the impact of gentrification on communities of color and and different folks in this community. Uh, We've got this issue of corporate landlords. We have so much that we're trying to tackle right now. People are screaming uh, for di- different services, particularly in, as it relates to behavioral health, environmental justice, and so many other initiatives that we're trying to tackle. And I, and I think it's very difficult uh, for me as a commissioner, I'll speak for myself. Well, I guess you won't speak for yourself because you've frozen again. Uh, we'll, we'll try to clear that up. Uh, Pat and George want to chime in that. Can I let Pat go first? Because I have a follow-up question for you, George. Pat, go ahead. Oh, thank you. Um, I would just say one of the big needs of the community is uh, the cost of housing. And that also includes um, people who rent um, because uh, we don't really want their uh, rent rents to go sky high. And uh, that is a very loud voice about housing. And so that's something that I, I worry about. And I will certainly be thinking about that as we go through this. So, George, I know you want to chime in on this, but, but you came in okay, you came across initially with this as somewhat optimistic, saying that, you know, we may be revenue neutral. But in the past, you have said that a revenue neutral rate will not support the services that county residents need. Keeping revenue neutral, keeping things revenue neutral will mean we won't be able to pay for schools or additional services. So is there a way out of this? Or are people just going to have to suck it up or get less? Because as a previous county manager once said many times on this program, taxes equal services. Well, that part is true. Um, so so there's a caveat to what I said. And, and Mark started talking about what the community's needs are. And what we're beginning to hear from the surveys is that there are a lot of needs in this community. You also have to consider the fact that this year we redo our capital improvement plan, which means that all of these agencies tell us what their needs are and we have to figure out how to fund them. We've got the sheriff's department, we've got county buildings that need to be funded. We have park and recreations that need to be funded. The libraries need to be funded. Uh, Central Piedmont needs to be funded. Uh, 
these are just a few. And so it's really the opportune time to kind of uh, look forward to what we need to do. You know, when we think about raising taxes in general, Mecklenburg County rarely ever raises taxes except for doing uh, revaluation. Um, we, we've gone a uh, tremendously long period of time without raising taxes. Where there are other uh, counties in the state of North Carolina raise taxes on an annual basis. And, and one large county, uh, larger than ours, that I won't name, at one point had a 10 cents per $100 value over and above Mecklenburg County. Hmm. I think Mark is back it, with us. Uh, yeah, the, other, the other thing you have to consider is the surrounding counties of Mecklenburg County have higher tax rates. Now, people don't believe that until you go look at the facts. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think we're going to be looking at what the needs are uh, to determine what that tax rate looks like. Well, the need is, I suppose, this is another good question for somebody who represents a district, because the needs are going to be different from district to district as you go around the county. And Mark, higher property taxes generally means that the economy is healthy, but we also know that not everybody is participating or reaping the benefits of a healthy economy on an equal basis. Not everybody is doing equally as well or as, as those in the more affluent areas of the county. And in fact, higher property taxes for those folks can be onerous. As a member of the Equity Investments Committee, that must be part of your concern. If those taxes go up, is there a way for some of those people who can least afford these increases to mitigate that? Well, we're not tackling that necessarily in equity investments. What we're looking at it, with respect to that ad hoc committee, Mike, is is more related to uh, building generational wealth, which is you okay. know definitely a tie. Um, but we have put in place different programs to uh, try to help with this uh, property tax issue. So when you think about the homes program that we've implemented here, uh, also we've uh, done great work with trying to make sure that uh, we are delivering information around the Homestead Act, uh, circuit breaker pro uh, program as well, and, and making sure that our disabled understand all their options that are available to them. But it, with respect to equity investment, um, we are really focused on building generational wealth. Uh, we know that home ownership is a, a mechanism that will do that. That's been historic and uh, that won't change and it doesn't look like it's going to change. And so we are trying to find ways to really just reduce the disparities that we see uh, that have hit communities of color over time. Of course, we're not operating in a vacuum here. Uh, the Fed has been trying to get a handle on inflation, and they've been doing that by raising interest rates. And it's kind of a tightrope walk, because if they're too aggressive, they could plunge us into a recession. And some economists have said that you can anticipate some sort of a slowdown sometime from the middle of this year going forward. And in fact, the county's own economic forecast calls for activity to weaken around the middle of the year with the housing market facing a correction with falling home prices. So will the county, George, take that into account, the possibility of a recession, the possibility of falling home prices when they set this, make their decisions on revaluation and taxes? You know, uh, Mecklenburg County was smart enough a few years ago to get our own economists so that we can have these kind of projections and predictions. And I'm sure that all of those things will be taken into consideration when we talk tax rate. 
um, we need to look at whether or not there's going to be declining revenue uh, from the decrease in our home values or property values. Um, we need to look at the continued growth in this community as it relates to our school district. Uh, I mean, there, there are just so many things to take into consideration, uh, which explains why the budget process is so long. Uh, staff actually starts working on next year's budget once we complete this budget and we've had our summer break. Uh, and then we really start getting into the meat of things at our January retreat. And from this point up until the time that we adopt our budget in June, uh, we'll get constant updates on what the economic indicators are. We'll get constant updates on our budget um, revenue projections in terms of growth in the community. Um, all of these things will be taken into consideration when we make our final decision about what's reflected in our budget. Pat. Um, we are really living in a very unique time. And um, I, I have, from the beginning of the year, I started to read all these economists all over the country that were talking about different things. And then here in North Carolina, different uh, corporate leaders were talking about the future. And um, it, um, if we had any recession, I think it would not have a capital R. And um, I, I'm also, also certainly aware of how the economy is, is surprising people. We have, um, our sales tax has increased. People are shopping, people are buying, people are traveling. Uh, people are coming into our city and filling up our hotels and restaurants. So, um, but I think just people are just in a, a different mood. And I don't know, I think when we get information from economists, it's information. Uh, I don't take it as firmly as I did in the past. Mark. Well, I, I want to follow up on Commissioner Cotham's point that certainly there are people that are, are participating in the economy. You know, I, I think some of the focus also has to be those who are not participating in the economy, those who are struggling still, uh, have been struggling for years, and it, the exacerbation of that continues to play out. And one of the things I'm proud of this board we continue to have a focus on those folks. And, and it's important through this broadcast that we let people know that, that we are focused on those who, who are not participating in the economy at the, at the rates that we'd like to see. Um, you know, selfishly, we need everybody to participate and participate at high levels. <laughs> that's the way we fund what we need to fund. So that's where we want to take it. And to underline that comment, a lot of the I think almost all of the priorities that you have set for the upcoming budget reflect that concern that not everybody is participating in this economy equally. Uh, the six different priorities that you've set include early childhood development, educational attainment, environmental stewardship, health access, workforce development, and housing insecurity. George, are these ranked in any particular order of importance? Uh we did not rank them because we thought they were all equally important. Um, however, one of the things we'll look at is we'll look at what um, funding is already being attributed to the various areas and at some point make a decision as to how much ought to go in each one of the different buckets. 
Okay. Pat, one of the budget priorities the county has set for itself is to reduce the number of residents experiencing homelessness and advance stable, affordable housing options for all county residents. And as you know, uh, the city of Charlotte has been pumping an enormous amount of money, at least to some it's an enormous amount. It's not enough, but they've been pumping a lot of money into the homelessness problem and the fight for affordable housing. It's almost impossible, it seems, to get ahead of the need. So what can the county do? Well, we also have been spending uh, an enormous amount of money on homelessness. And I, and I, we work in concert with the city on some of the things. Uh, it is a very complicated topic. It's a topic that I have been heavily involved in since I've been, uh, since I started the county commission. Uh, it's, um, and, but we have to talk about the successes we've had we have done a great job of getting um, veterans who were homeless uh, in, in homes. We have done that. That was a priority a few years ago, and we have. I'm proud of that work. I'm proud of the other work that we have done with homelessness and helping people. And the, but the problem continues, and I, I feel it will, con, will, will always be with us. Um, and we have about 3,000 people who are homeless. Uh, I know the schools have had in recent years around 4,000 students um, who are, you know, have the McKinney-Vinto uh, services that are, are homeless. So it is a continual problem, but it's something that we have ha we have made accomplishments. We've worked in partnership with the uh, Roof Above and other nonprofits and expanded housing for chronically homeless with great services. So we just have to keep going forward. Our, our very hot real estate market has benefited property owners uh, because if you want to sell, the, it, this has been a very good time to try to sell. But as Lee Altman, one of your fellow commissioners, has pointed out, uh, it, it makes affordability uh, less affordable it, and it, it decreases access. I'm paraphrasing what she said there. But Mark, for the outlook for renters has become even more gloomy than for some buyers. The, uh, the county economist has said that only 1% of apartments are priced under $1,000 a month. And you represent part of the county where that, it seems to me, is critical. You told WSOC's uh, Joe Bruno that many people can't get an apartment that they can afford. So how critical has this become in your area and, and as you work on the budget priorities like housing instability? And what, if anything, can the county do to help? Well, it, it's certainly critical. We, we can't uh, sustain this, uh, to be honest with you, Mike. One of the things that I pointed out last night, a part of our legislative agenda is addressing this issue of uh, just the impact of corporate landlords. Um, and one of the things Representative Alexander uh, submitted a bill that the speaker basically said will not be taken up in Raleigh. And our, our constituents are screaming that they need help. Uh, we've got to find ways to uh, uh, provide economic mobility opportunities for people. We've got to increase their wages so that they can afford uh, uh, to live. Uh, people uh, just, you can't afford it. You've got to work 80 hours a week, uh, just, uh, you know, constant working just to be able to afford to live. And so um, that's certainly not thriving. And we need people to be thriving in this community. The other aspect of this is that... Uh, 
the value of less expensive homes is predicted to increase when, we, when it comes to taxes. If you raise taxes, they will feel the effect more than people who are, are more affluent. It, it will hurt the people who can least afford it. Why have the values of the county's most expensive homes increased by 50% while homes in the bottom third doubled in value, George? And I have 30 seconds. Why? Uh, that's a question I can't answer. <laughs> okay. All right. And many of those fall, many of those homes that we're talking about fall in districts three and four. Would that be accurate? Yes. So yeah. part, of the, part of the problem I think Mark alluded to earlier is gentrification. When you have a house that is valued at $150,000 and then you build a home next door that's valued at $600,000, uh, it changes the value of that home that was initially $150,000. And we have uh, to stop there. We have to stop there. We'll come back and talk some more about that and other budget priorities in a second. It's Charlotte Talks on WFAE. Support comes from WFAE members and Mazda of South Charlotte. Using Mazda's customer-centric approach to cars to create a car buying and servicing experience where the customer is the center of their business. More at MazdaofSouthCharlotte.com. It's Charlotte Talks on WFAE and WFAE.org. I'm Mike Collins. George Dunlop is here. He's the chair of the Mecklenburg County Commission. Two other commissioners are also with us, Pat Cotham at large and Mark Jarrell from District 4. We're talking about some of the budget priorities. I want to follow up, George, on something you were just talking about. And we were talking about how the rising values of property in Mecklenburg seems to be, and, and any tax increase that would be associated with those rising values, it's going to hit the least uh, economically affluent people harder than those who are more affluent. And you pointed out gentrification. We have had many conversations uh, with Charlotte Mayor Vi Lyles about attempts to raise the level of uh, bring amenities into communities that have long been neglected. And when you do that, you make them more appealing to people and people start moving in gentrification occurs the people who have lived there for generations are, are either see this as an economic opportunity to sell and get out or can't afford to stay there because the taxes have gone up or or whatever the reason is they get pushed out and that decreases the stock of affordable housing and causes economic housing insecurity so it's kind of a vicious cycle if you try to help people and you are successful they ultimately get pushed out unless you can raise their own individual economic prospects. So how does the county or, or the, how does any municipality deal with this? Well, th th there's, a, there's a number of unknown factors here that we haven't discussed. For example, we don't know how the UDO is going to impact these communities. Um, the UDO is the Unified Development Ordinance that the city has put together uh, to try to control how things look going forward for the next 30 years. Go ahead. Well, it, it's going to have a number of implications. I, I look at my neighborhood as a prime example. There is a lot that has been discussed about having apartments, apartments in a residential neighborhood. Um, you're going to see homes come down and two homes built on the same lot. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the whole purpose of this is to uh, increase the number of uh, housing stock that will be available in the community as it grows because of the limited amount of, of land that is being um, that remains in, in the city. So um, it, it's going to have uh, varying uh, impacts on various communities. But 
I think if I remember correctly, the average home value will increase about 59%. That's just how drastically the home values have changed in uh, Mecklenburg County. So the, the, the person who currently has, and this is just an example, the person who currently has a $150,000 home will have their house revalued at probably two or $300,000. Um, the person with a $300,000 home will probably have their home valued at maybe $600,000. So you'll see these prices increase drastically all throughout Mecklenburg County, even in those neighborhoods where the home values have been suppressed. Mark, did you want to chime in on this? I think Mark is frozen again. Uh, I'm sorry, Mark. Uh, very quickly, I want to move on to two other priorities uh, that may that actually play a role in helping toward uh, combating the effects of gentrification and rising home values, and that is getting people better jobs, getting people more educated so that they can get those better jobs. And one of your targets, we all know, is well, one of your targets is early childhood development, and we all know that young people, children from birth to five or six years old who have the advantage of getting this early childhood development programs put in place for them, tend to do better in school when they get to elementary, junior, and high schools. We know this. So how much money are you putting toward that effort, George? I don't remember the, the last figure, but it's, it's upward of $26 million. Um, but let's, let's, let's just remember, though, that there are three different pre-K programs in Mecklenburg County, Bright Beginnings, uh, MEC Pre-K, and uh, CMS has a, a pre-K program as well. I think one of the problems we have with that is that we've never been able to get good data to see which program uh, has the greatest impact on, on kids and uh, we don't have a good evaluation tool. So we really don't know just how effective it is other than the fact that those kids tend to do better uh, than kids who haven't had those opportunities. One of, the, uh, one of your areas of concern, Mark, is economic development, and we know that that relies on an educated workforce. And another of the board's priorities is educational attainment, finding ways to improve college and career readiness outcomes for all students. But recently, CMS announced they were not doing so well with that. Is it strictly a, a matter of money, or is there more to it than that? Yeah, I don't believe it's just a matter of money. I mean, money is a. Once again, we have a problem. Uh, Pat, do you have an opinion on that? Um, yes, and I feel badly because Mark's voice is so important to us. Um, but no, let's, I, let's try to get let's try let's try to get Mark on the telephone. Let's just do that right now. Okay, Pat, go ahead. Um, Thank you. I, I, go ahead, Pat. Thank you. Um, I, I do agree that money is not uh, everything. Uh, a leadership is a big part. And um, we have had struggles with CMS for quite a while. And um, it certainly is worrisome, not only to many members of the board, but also in the community. We have many children who are not able to uh, read at the levels where they should. And um, I was I was disappointed to read the a legislative agenda from CMS uh, that they just put out that they 
ask the legislature to lower their uh, expectations. Um, so we have a lot of work to do, and uh, education is is truly the, the the key to opening the city for for our kids. It's it's so important. There's no question that the pandemic played a role in setting children back in their education. Uh, it, it was a far greater role than you would think from just one or two, one and a half years of being online. It was it was tremendously un- unfortunate for kids. But even before the pandemic, the children in CMS were failing to be educated to the proper extent. And CMS just said uh, that uh, high school seniors at CMS are performing far below the school board's goal for making sure that they're ready for life after graduation, for life, ready for a job, ready for going to college. You're about to have your annual meeting with these folks in March, I think sometime. And there has been a contentious relationship between the County Commission and the Mecklenburg County Board of Education. George, you kind of spearheaded that contentiousness a couple of years ago. Are, are you satisfied that they have made changes that will make things that will improve things. Well, I'm satisfied that they're working toward making those changes. Uh, if we go back in terms of student performance, you go back three, uh, 13 years, you'll see a, a constant decline from 13 years ago to where they are today. How much and of so, that has to do with the end of busing? Um, I don't know that it did have anything to do with the end of busing. Uh, you got to remember, there's been a lot of leadership changes over the course of the last seven years, maybe five superintendents over the last seven or eight years. But, you know, what I what I prefer to talk about are the things that they're talking about that make the county commission comfortable in thinking that they want to work together and move us forward. Uh, They're making some changes. They're doing a superintendent search. We've had more meetings in the last um, uh, year than we've had probably over um, four or five years. Uh, in fact, we have another meeting coming up in March. So I think there's there's more of a willingness on the part of the new school board to really work with the county to resolve some of the issues that they've been facing. And in the, in the past, Pat, you have said that CMS has not communicated well and they restrict interaction with you, the county commission. Uh, they have not given uh, the commission what you requested and they have made some joint meetings adversarial. Uh, do you see the same changes that George does? <laughs> yes, I, I agree to what you just said. Because um, you I said it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Those well, are your you words. Are me, you are quoting me correctly. I, I So definitely. <laughs> Um, and I, I appreciate that the voters uh, made some changes and, uh, and we have some new people on the board and I think that's gonna bring energy and a different perspective. And uh, we also have another, um, the at-large race will be coming up. And I'm glad that the public is paying attention and uh, wanting to um, be more involved and be engaged because they realize the importance of this. And, I appreciate uh, George has been working hard to um, meet with the uh, chair of the school board. So, um, you know, hopefully we'll have, I'll I'll have a different quote in the years ahead. I hope so. Well, that quote came from an interview that the Observer conducted with you during the last campaign. And they asked the same question Mark 
to you about what the county can do to help CMS close the achievement gap. And you said at the time that the county can play a significant role, ranging from providing stability for students and families to advocating for more money from the General Assembly to finding ways to increase teacher pay and attract the best teachers. You also mentioned removing systemic barriers to learning. What are they? So, Mike, let me go back real quick to something uh, that you said and that you that you touched on. We have to work with CMS. When you talk about those issues that you've raised throughout the program, when you think about those critical issues that we're uh, tackling as a community, it is important. The only way for, for children to achieve that economic mobility and for people to, to reach the, the heights that we need them to reach is going to be through education. Education is the start. Education is the finish. Education is everything in between that's needed, whether you're talking about jobs, the jobs of the future, or jobs of today. So when you think about the, the systemic barriers that people have faced, I mean, they've permeated throughout our institutions, throughout all of our societies, and they've impacted people of color. When you look at the data, the children of color are the ones that are underperforming. They're the ones that have been impacted the most. That's where you see the, the disparities uh, the most. And so because of that, it is certainly, you, you certainly can tie that back to those systemic and institutional type of, of uh, uh, barriers that people have experienced in this community. CMS is going to come to you for funding, as they do every year, because the county puts a, a big portion of their budget. Uh, they're also talking about floating a 30 30 plus billion dollar bond for construction and other projects. Will the commission have a role in deciding whether or not it will be 30 plus billion dollars or whether it will make it to a referendum? Or is that strictly up to the school board, George? It is strictly up to the county commission. Uh, and so <laughs> let me, let me just, let me just make a correction. Uh, that request initially was 3.5 billion. Right. And now I think they whittled it down to around 2.5 or something of that nature. But those are the kind of factors that will determine whether or not there's a tax rate increase. Um, but uh, we're talking. Uh, we've had good discussion uh, about what their needs are. Uh, the thing about it is we have to consider all of the needs. And we've talked about uh, some of the other areas of need in Mecklenburg County. So that'll be factored in as well. But I think um, this new board, uh, I, I look forward to working with them. I, I think, as Mark suggested, uh, we've got to make it work if we want children in this community to prosper. Um, and so it's in our best interest um, to, to work with CMS. We, we know historically that businesses want to relocate into communities where they have a good education system. So it impacts our uh, 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 economic uh, situation. Um, and so, yes, uh, I, I am working uh, real hard to establish a, a, a rapport with, with CMS in the hopes that uh, we have a more meaningful uh, working relationship as we move forward. The other thing I will tell you is that uh, CMS will not have to uh, make their budget in the blind. Uh, the county manager and the interim superintendent have a good working relationship. Um, so they're meeting, I think, Monday uh, and into the future. 
so that we can talk about uh, budget projections, revenue, uh, income, and, and kind of help uh, the school system understand what the overall county's needs are, which I hope will help them in terms of their budgeting process. I have about 90 seconds left. I, I, I want to touch on, this, on the transit plan because Charlotte requires, has this transit plan. They require federal dollars. The, the clock is ticking on infrastructure money. Uh, we have to put matching funds up. Some of those funds are going to come from the state. Some of them are going to come, we think, from a 1% hike in the sales tax. But we need the legislature's permission to do that. And the leader of the House, uh, Tim Moore, has said it, our plan is not good. It doesn't concentrate enough on roads and cars. It concentrates too much on other things. The mayor has said that she has tried to get through to him, but has not been able to reach him. You're part of the Intergovernmental Relations Committee, Mark. Uh, I don't know how much of a role the county will play, play in all of this, but uh, can you facilitate that conversation? Well, I think what we've got to do, Mike, we've all got to lean in and, and figure out how to solve this. Uh, the community it can't, you know, we, we can't continue on the course that we're on. Transportation is huge, and we know that we all have to lean in to try to solve this problem. So we're going to do everything we can to work with the General Assembly, the, the council, and everyone else. Pat, you got 30 seconds. Go ahead. Um, I think it's important to say that the city council is not really unified on this either. I've been watching their meetings and reading uh, their comments and uh, – so I think they have a lot of work to do, and, and I think that it'll probably be better received in, in Raleigh if they have a more unified plan and they can specifically say what exactly their, their goal is and what their plans are. With that, we have to end it. We couldn't even talk about the fact that you have named a new building at uh, the county for Ella Scarborough, the former county commissioner who died last year. Thanks to George Dunlap, Pat Cotham, and Mark Durrell for the hour. Support comes from WFAE members and Mazda of South Charlotte, focused on applying Mazda's customer-centric approach for vehicle design to car buying and servicing in order to create an experience centered around the customer. More at MazdaofSouthCharlotte.com.